0: Well, hello to you, and a warm welcome to this sharing. Uh, My name's Ivan Barry, and I'm a contributor to a rather remarkable project that helps people to live well with a dementia diagnosis. Spaced in the Western Isles of Scotland, it's deepnessdementiamedia.com. If you want to find out more about what we're trying to do, changing the conversations around dementia, cognitive issues, and memory loss, please feel free to visit the website. Ah, now, this talk is a little sharing called The Balloon Strings of Our Lives. And in it, we will gently explore the role of memory in helping us to construct our own unique individual identities. And also what it can feel like when we're forced to begin the process of letting go of those remembrances. Or at least some of them. And in addition, I'll look at some of the challenges that are presented to us when that particular journey begins to take place. There'll be music, some personal reflections, a smidgen of poetry, and philosophy. And my hope is you may find it somewhat soothing, mildly intriguing and even slightly educational. In reality, it's a conversation with you that I hope becomes something of a connecting experience for us all. Now, dear listener, you may already have a dementia label or a cognitive challenge. You might be a family member or a health worker who supports somebody. And if you're curious about life, the past, the present moment, the rich tapestry of the self, that unravels and re-ravels itself as we all grow older, as we continue to change. Then I invite you to my little fireside, so that we can take a moment and proceed along together, arm in arm, for a little while at least. But first, allow me to fill up my pipe, kindle the flames, and we'll continue. And also, I would like you to know, it's not an easy thing to talk and play the piano, but I will do my best. Of course, this is Eric Sarty's beautiful music. Filled with little circular patterns and pirouetting musical motifs that ascend and descend. And they could quite easily play on forever, changing shape and then reforming and then dancing their way back to their original forms as they hang in the air. And this reminds me, talking of the dance of perpetual change, were not the Buddha's final words of realisation and wisdom these? All things are impermanent, everything is temporary. Accepting this truth, Seek your salvation with diligence. Wise words indeed. And of course, we often do find change challenging. We hanker for consistency and conformity of pattern. It's in our social and historical DNA. Regularity and repetition have their places. I like to know where the sock drawer is where the cups live in the cupboards. I have a certain way of ironing my shirts and hanging them up. I've been doing it for years, in decades in fact. And it's reassuring for me personally as well to know that the sun will rise on the morrow and that the stars will come to life at night. Like a grand carousel rotating on its axis, the wheel of life keeps on turning whether we are present to witness the spectacle or not. And ideally I do like to remember the names of people I've met, but now, as I enter my 60s, this seems to be also something that is changing. Maybe my brain is just tired, I tell myself. Perhaps I've overstuffed it in these decades that have melted away behind me. After all, it must have a limit for storage, like a sort of living computer program. It maybe has only so much space. Perhaps it has to shed stuff, delete files, and subsequently increase the space for new incoming information. Or maybe not. Perhaps as I get older, I am remembering less. There are little moments on occasional days, where I feel like a stranger to myself. I forgot what I just told myself I should be doing. It's a little alarming, even if it's brief. And then the moment passes and I go on, a little bit of wobbliness. And sometimes I'll accidentally rediscover the task later in the same day. And I laugh to myself, ah, That's what it was. If it gets worse, I might get a bit more worried, though. We shall see. I try not to. But I digress. Here is a short so-called nonsense poem I used to recite as a child, and then again in turn to my own young daughter, who's in her thirties now. Where did that time go, I wonder? As I was going up the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish that man would go away. Here's one of my earliest memories. When I was four years old, my mother took me to a large new department store in a Northern English town. It had many floors and even a moving escalator which took you from the ground and upwards to mysterious and unknowable places. And while she examined a sales display of handbags, she momentarily let slip my hand. And as I looked around, there to my left was another even more remarkable thing. I could see that it seemed to be a very small room with mirrored walls and an entrance door that kept opening and sliding shut. And sometimes after a pause, on reopening, there was no one there. And at other times, mysteriously, completely different people walked out. Oh, I was transfixed by this seemingly magic space that appeared to transport people to some invisible dimension and bring back others and so intrigued with this powerful sense of mystery and magic i stepped inside and of course something happened a bell pinged and the doors swiftly slid shut a strange quiet swooshing sounds enveloped me and very smooth sensations of gentle motion and then it stopped and the magical doors slid open once more and i stepped out Where the heck was I? The world had completely changed, and instead of my mother and rows of handbags, all I saw were fridges, sofas and tables. Where'd she gone? Where was the stuff? A sense of rising panic and fear began to sweep through my body, and I began to quietly cry. Of course, I'd stepped into an elevator, but I didn't know it then. And so I began to wander the floor in search of my mom, but of course she wasn't there. I traversed the aisles and turned into corners of this unfamiliar landscape and found nothing. And I'd been doing this for some time, when after a while, I heard an announcement, apparently coming from the ceiling, that actually mentioned my name. It was the only part of it I understood. What hellish sort of place was this? Disembodied voices, movable rooms, and still the matter of my missing parent. Most alarming. Then after a while, a friendly man in a dark blue suit and tie, with a name badge that said Mr. Royston, came and knelt down in front of me. I remember he smelled of aftershave and cigarettes, and asked me who I was. Who are you, little boy? Is your name Ivan? I nodded. He handed me a tissue to dry my tears and blow my nose and said, let's get you back to your mom. She's waiting downstairs and is very worried. And I translated internally, but she's very angry. But he took my hand and off we went. We went down the stairs designed for the staff and mom and I were soon reunited. And she'd been crying too by the look of things. She never spoke to me all the way home. Such was her anger and admonished me on our arrival through the front door, sending me straight to my bed to never, ever do that again. And of course, I felt further aggrieved and remember crying even more. And as an apparently mature adult male in my mid-forties, I had quite a few adventures on various travels around the world. And one in particular comes to mind. I managed to get absolutely lost while in the forests and prairie lands of southern Wisconsin. And out on a trek, I somehow meandered off and got separated from my friends after I'd walked ahead of them and took a fork in a deep forest where I thought I saw a river or stream a little way ahead. I planned to surprise them with news that, guess what? We can go for a swim and cool off in this hot midday sun. But it turned out to be just a stream. And after a while, went by, my friends didn't materialise. Then I lost my sense of direction, trying to find my way back to where we'd separated initially. And however, I quickly realised I couldn't find the forest path I needed to. And I got out my map and then I quickly realised that my old map reading skills were very rusty. In fact, so rusty, I'd be lucky to be able to locate the pockets on my own trousers. And so the hours went by under a burning sun, as I fought to untangle myself from fierce brushwoods and thorns. I stumbled through some wild valleys and marshlands with not a soul in sight. Just a roaring silence, hawks circling above in an azure and wide sky. That seemed to go on forever. And I called out, hello, hello. But answers came there none. And I realised I was in the wilds and also on my own. I was also caked in mud and bruised a little from slipping and falling. I was lost. Eventually, I found a narrow path of sorts and followed it for some miles, it seemed. I climbed some rather steep hills, and then, on the top, I thought I could hear the sound of distant traffic. So I was quite scratched, and being endlessly buzzed and bitten by swarms of determined mosquitoes, I felt I was going just a little bit mad. And soon I came to a barbed wire fence. I managed to get over, got myself onto a country road. And I hitched a lucky quick lift from a very surprised-looking, bushy-bearded maths teacher who was smoking a pipe and playing classic rock music on his car stereo. He was pretty amazed to meet an Englishman in the middle of nowhere. And in the condition I was in, I looked a sorry sight, I guess. But he got me to a nearby town where I could make some calls and reconnect with my anxious and fretful fellow travellers. So more by luck than judgement, I'd meandered through a lost continent, traversed rolling fields and hills that felt like mountains, and got myself back to safety. The brain's limbic system does indeed remember everything, even when you've forgotten. Mine remembered too, and it was very lightly back again and lost in that department store all those years ago in Northern England. Do we construct our memories or do they help to construct us? And if and when they start to go away, does that mean we start to go away too? Who is it that's left behind? An incomplete version of our old selves or a newly evolving one with a different identity? I wonder. I think identity is a shimmering, immutable condition, watery and fluid and perhaps not a fixed thing at all. As of course we might like to think of it as solid and stolid and unchanging. However, stop for a moment and consider how many versions of you have already been in existence. The essential sense of your unique identity is your many Formats: A baby, then a child, and then the adolescent you. The young adult version of yourself. It goes on and on, of course, until it all stops. And if you're hearing this, you were born. A son or a daughter, perhaps a brother or a sister, a niece or a nephew, an uncle or an aunt. Or perhaps you've been a parent too. There have been many versions of you. Imagine yourself back as a seven or eight-year-old person, or a teenager. You all along, but you kept on growing and you kept on changing, and though some things remain the same, some essential characteristics still show through, but many of those old aspects of ourselves have gone, diminished and vanished in the dusty streets of our old friend time. And the circle that started with you will end with you when the time comes. And that's all we really know when we come to a point in the mature cheddar cheese section of our lives and we've lived through and outlived the old versions of who we used to be. Like snakes shedding skins, we renew ourselves. And friends, family and relatives, they've all got their own perspectives. Who they think we are, who we think they think we ought to be. And they've got their expectations understandably they get used to who we they believed us to be to who we were to them and we get used to them and it can be painful and saddening if the changes that start within us begin to move that previous connection further away the familiarity for want of a better phrase we're in the act of re-becoming and it can be very difficult for everyone to come to terms with That's why we so often hear the phrase, he or she is not the person we used to know. No, he or she isn't. None of us are the person we used to know or thought we used to know. Everything is constantly changing. This is one of the reasons I'd like it if we would talk more about memory issues. Have a national conversation, put it out into the public domain and we have a population that lives longer and older. Memory-related conditions and challenges are more apparent than ever before. And then what happens when we begin the act or process of slowly forgetting? We let go of the balloon strings attached to some of our memories. For example, did you ever let go of a balloon string as a child and watch as the balloon soared away in a into a summer sky did you shed a little tear if it was accidental a sense of disappointment or perhaps you were thrilled happy to see it flying free carried away on the wind musing on where it might land how far into the great unknown the world beyond your familiar streets and rooftops how far would it travel before descending to earth or being popped by an annoyed blackbird on a roof or treetop, busy defending its territory. Watching it go and then carried away on the wind, I recall a mixture of feelings of loss and at the same time of mystery with a hint of freedom. It was flying, it was free. It was letting go and liberating and all these things mixed together at once. But of course, ultimately, you're left standing there in your blue shorts and your yellow T-shirt and your empty little hands, watching the sky and to let us vanish from sight and with no balloon. Ah, well, maybe there are more waiting in a small plastic bag to be blown up when you're indoors and back home. Maybe not there, eh? Oliver Sacks, the great British neurologist and author of The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, had this to say. Nobody consists of memory alone. We have will and feelings. We have sensibilities and moral presence and being. And it is here in this place where we may all be reached and touched. And talking of being touched, ah, well now, as my old departed Irish grandfather used to say, here's a poem from an Irish hero of mine, William Butler Yeats. And a fine man of words he was as well. It's one of the very few poems I can normally bring to mind for spontaneous recital. The Song of Wondering Angus. I went out to the Hazelwood because the fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread. And when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out, I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire aflame but something rustled on the floor, and someone called me by my name. It had become a glistening girl with apple blossoms in her hair, who called me by my name and ran and faded through the brightening air. Though I am old from wondering, through hollow lands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone and kiss her lips. take her hands and walk among long dappled grass and pluck till time and times are done the silver apples of the moon the golden apples of the sun ah those fish that turn into beautiful girls eh and then they run away what are they like Oh, well, we've not explored too deeply here or delved too far below the surface. However, did you know that in ancient Greece, the belief was that when we pass from this life, our souls travel down to the underworld known as Hades. And it is there we start a journey that determines our next soulful destination. There are five rivers that run through Hades And one is called the Lethe. It's the river of forgetfulness. The river of unmindfulness. And it flows around the cave of Hypnos. And out again throughout the underworld. And it's here as disembodied souls, freed from the physical and temporary shells of our bodies, we are invited to drink. And when we have drunk the water from the Lethe, all our memories fade away. We're cleansed of remembrance of our past life. And thereby, once the process is completed, emptied of our memories. The table wiped clean, so to speak, and we become a blank slate. A tabula rasa waiting to be written on by life and experience once more. We can come into the world again, renewed, reborn as a soul in a brand new physical body. And not weighted down with memories of the past or the connections to our previous sense of self. Did you ever wonder why it is you're born with no recollection of your earlier incarnation? Well, it is, according to those ancient Greeks, meant exactly to be this way. Thank you for listening. Time now to put out my pipe, close the lid on the piano and damp down the fire. I can see it's getting dark outside my window and the day here is drawing to a close. But all is well. Here's a blessing for you. May the wind always be at your back and may it be a long time before you're invited to drink from the river of forgetfulness. Until next time, goodbye.